Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam, and we are a Belly Up Sports podcast. We are what they aren't. Brandon, how you doing? LJ, I'm doing good. Uh, real excited for this show today. We've got, uh, to, we get to talk about the two biggest free agents possibly on the market that were still left. Uh, they have both signed. Uh, we're going to be doing a little injury roundup around the league, and um, there's a few other moves and just interesting things that we want to talk about, but very excited on what I b- believe, first day of spring, right? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, yesterday, yesterday, yesterday was. Yesterday, oh, even better, second day of spring. We love it. Well. Great time. Let's get right into it. LJ, we are going to be heading up to Minnesota, where the Twins have a blockbuster deal with Carlos Correa. Really a stunning move. Three years, $105.3 million with opt-out clauses after both the first and second season. Uh he will be getting $35.1 million annually. I believe that is the highest annual value for an infielder in MLB history. Yeah, and it, it is. And it only trails uh, Mike Trout in terms of position players by about uh, $1 million. So that, that $3 million was the di- – or whatever it was, um, the difference for that he is point one over Tony Rundown. Wow. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah, that does make sense. Crazy that Anthony Rendon is getting uh, that much money. But LJ, so the Twins trade away Josh Donaldson, um, and they save 
over $45 million just by trading him to the Yankees, and they end up getting the Yankees' top target. Isn't it? I mean, that is a great, great work by the Twins' front office there because that is just a great move. You're getting younger and the better player. And also, LJ, if the Twins are not in contention, this is a tradable deal. It's only three years. Very much so. And overall, let's not forget about the fact that it's not like they didn't get value in the trade to begin with other than just getting rid of Josh Donaldson's contract. I mean, again, I've heard from the recent reports, it's going to be a lot more Gary at the DH now too with not having, of course, to compete with Stanton for DH time. He's not going to be behind the plate as much. That significantly increases his value. And so all of a sudden you've got Gio Shell, one of the best defenders in the league, whether his bat comes back or not, he's going to be a plus for your team. You've got Gary in there and you've got Correa in there all basically because of that trade you gave you gave up you basically gave up Mitch Garver and Josh Donaldson for Carlos Correa Gio Urshela and Gary Sanchez that's that's crazy yeah and it's really like it's really nice that they were able to flip uh Isaiah Kiner Falefa I mean they clearly had a like they I don't want to say that they had this all planned out, but it just it just came together so good that I want to say that this is kind of what the Twins front office like thought was a best case scenario for them uh, this offseason. Oh, absolutely. This this is a great deal and then you're talking about the uh, being able to flip them. This is the uh, this is part of why this is the best deal for all sides. Correa can be the top the highest paid shortstop, the highest paid infielder in the league this year. He can opt out next year if he thinks he can get more money in annual value or total deal. And he's almost guaranteed to be a contender at the end of the season because first off, with the moves that they've made, this Minnesota team with healthy, of course, is a pitcher away from being a division contender. There are a pitcher away from being a serious contender for the AL Central right now. Sonny Gray so, and, 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 and uh, who'd they get? A Bundy. I mean, that's two solid guys to throw in there. That's two really solid guys. And again, Montas and um, Minaya are both going to be gone this offseason. There's no doubt that they are not going to probably start opening day on, on the A's. So that, that, they've got to be very much in play for that now. But even if they're not, You've got the ability to trade a very tradable contract based on that. And for Carlos Correa, year one, he's guaranteed to go to a contender. He has a limited no trade clause. So he's going to have a lot of influence in terms of where he goes, which means if you have a team, maybe maybe it's the Astros, maybe it's the Yankees, who are a clear contender, a World Series favorite at the end of the year, desperately need a shortstop. He, he can ship out in July. And then they can also ship him out any other year if he decides to stay. So overall, this is just maximum flexibility for him because even without the no trade clause, now that I think about it, it doesn't really matter. He's always going to go to a contender because no one's going to pay for Carlos Correa if you're a bad team. If you're the Royals, um, bad example, but even or if you're the Orioles, not only are you not going to pay for him, but why would you want to bring in a guy who's on basically three one-year deals or a three-year deal when you're not ready to contend. It's a waste of your time and the player's time. So he's 
guaranteed if he gets moved, he'll be moving to a contender. This is the best, one of the best deals I've seen in a very long time when you're not getting what you initially wanted. And this Twins lineup now, uh, LJ, according to Fangraph's projections, eight of the starting nine are projected over 15 home runs. And the one guy who's not is Luis Arias, who's a pure contact hitter. The guy's going to hit over 300 every year. He doesn't strike out. He puts the ball in play all the time. Uh, Six of the players in the starting lineup are projected over 23 home runs. Uh, Byron Buxton, Carlos Correa, Jorge Polanco, Miguel Sano projected at 39, Max Kepler at 25, uh, and Gary Sanchez they have projected at 23. This is going to be a lineup that has a lot of pop, and we see how how, uh, much the home run means to winning now. This Twins team is going to be legit, I think. If they can stay healthy, this is a real scary lineup to face uh, with the addition of, of a Carlos Correa in there. I mean, the Twins had the fifth most home runs in the league last year. So, they're, this, is, this is a scary offense. All right, well, I believe it's time for something else. It is. Uh, heading to... Boston, where the Red Sox are in agreement with Trevor Story on a six-year, $140 million contract. After the fourth year in 2025, Story can opt out of the final two years of the deal. However, Boston can pick up a seventh-year option for $25 million or pay a $5 buyout. And... This could effectively be like six years, 160 mil if they do uh, pick up that, that last year's option. Seven years. Se- or seven years. Seven years, 160 million. Um, I mean, wow. Trevor Story now, a guy who also the Yankees were in on. The Astros were in on Trevor Story because uh, he signed right after Correa did, but the Astros were still in on him throughout the whole offseason. And for the Red Sox to scoop this guy up, uh, now probably like one of the best infields in the league. If you would have still had Schwarber at first, it would have been the best infield in the league. Um, in terms of the fielding, though, you're getting a lot of uh, good value from Trevor Story. Guy can field at shortstop much better than uh, Xander Bogarts, but they're not going to put a Bogarts at second. Uh and, you know, well, if I can cut in, sure, here, yeah, it, it makes more sense here. First off, um, overall, for my thoughts here, as I've always said, Trevor Story is one of the best players in the league. Um, certainly one of my favorite guys. So, uh, of course, I'm being facetious here. Look, I wasn't that high on him, but given the surrounding, given the surrounding elements of this deal, this is fantastic. I'm beyond pleased. And I'm also pleased in the approach of the team here because over the last couple of years, it would have been very easy for the Red Sox to jump at one of these free agents and spend a lot of money and get themselves into a bad contract. But they didn't. They weren't willing to waste that money. They weren't willing to reach for anyone. And what they do end up getting is a really, really good player on a very, very favorable deal for the next several years. 
And so as for the defensive stuff, I think this is the best alignment because overall, maybe this is the homer in me. I think the Xander Bogart's defense stuff is very overrated because yes, he's not the best defender at shortstop, but he doesn't make a lot of blatant mistakes. It's a very different conversation. Brandon, you have to agree here. It's a different conversation between Raphael Devers and Xander Bogart's defense. Yeah. Raphael Devers has, 100%, yeah. has the athleticism, but makes these blatant mental errors and terrible mistakes that just leave you scratching your head. Xander Bogart's losses in defensive value are much more underrated. Like it's not as visible. And so overall, I think it's not as bad. But what people aren't talking about here, what about Trevor Story's development as a player? Because I'm sorry, but he isn't a shortstop. And he's not going to be a shortstop at the end of this deal. Brandon, over the last two years, his um, throw to first in terms of miles per hour has dropped 10, 10 miles an hour. Okay. And so all of a sudden you're looking at a guy who went from going throwing about 95 to first to throwing 85 to first. And that makes, that makes a huge difference. And it's going to make a difference the longer he plays and the older he gets. So, look, that might be something wrong. That might be just the way he's developing and his body has grown. Either way, I don't see an issue with this because not only are you paying him less than the Yankees are paying Josh Donaldson right now, but you're – you know you knew I had to do it. You know you had to do it. Sorry. Um, but, like, $23 million, that's a great deal for this player and the offensive prospects that he brings as well as the defense. So overall, you've given yourself an opportunity where in a perfect world, you don't piss off Xander Bogarts. He stays, you get, keep story, the story around. He has a very successful career as a great second baseman, possibly gold glove second baseman in Boston. And two years from now, you have definitively the best infield in all of major league baseball. At worst case scenario, the guy needs Tommy John a year from now, and it's still going to be a worthwhile contract because you're paying the guy $23 million and the rest of his years are probably going to be really good. That's the way I see this deal. It's it's a great assessment. Um, I didn't know that about his throw to first base. Uh, certainly is interesting. Uh, I do agree with you about the Xander Bogarts, how a lot of the value, like, and the thing is, with these advanced uh, defensive numbers, a lot of it's just based on your range. So, like, if you have bad range, you might not be making bad mistakes in the field. I mean, like, if you were to watch a Derek Jeter play, he was not this awful, awful, terrible second baseman of all time. He just didn't have great range. Um, and yeah. that's what these stats try to measure is how many balls can you get to that other players can't. And so, LJ, I do agree. He's, a, he's smooth in the field. Um, both Bogarts and Devers are both both have their uh, flashes in the field. And, I, and we, you know, we really st- still don't know how much uh, defensive value really affects the game. I mean, we know how much the offense affects it, but we're still trying to figure out, like, how much should we weigh a defense? So, uh, I mean, Trevor Story is a great player. It, it sucks that the Yankees missed out on him. And um, But once again, I mean, there was a lot of teams that were trying to get this guy. And I think six years is the perfect length of time for a contract. Um of course, as a player, you would have wanted a lot more, but I mean, well, I guess Trevor my story, question is, 
I don't I don't know how he could have gotten over like 220 million if it was like eight years. Like I just don't know if a team was going to be willing to do that this off season. And clearly there was no one who was. Yeah, I guess my que- my question still remains at how did he get so little? Like this still feels like undervalued dollar wise AAV. And maybe it's because the Red Sox were the only team that seriously wanted him. Like actually. Like they might, yeah, they might have been the only team that seriously wanted him, but like you get deals like Carlos Correa. You're telling me, and I know for a fact that there were short term deals offered to him. You're telling me another team couldn't have thrown three years, 90 million at him? Well, LJ, you know, I was talking to someone about this the other day, and you know, the whole point of the lockout was to get more leverage for the players and um, in this new CBA. LJ, post-lockout, it, it, it's back to the same old stuff of teams not wanting to spend money. I mean, it's back to literally the, the thing that we stopped baseball for 99 days for. We're just back at point zero, it seems. And Look, sorry, but the, uh, the lockout didn't do much. You look at what the new CBA is, there wasn't much put in that actually gave the players any more leverage in these free agent situations. So... You have to understand that, but I think this is less about just it being back to point zero, because it's not point zero. This is less than it should have been expected to. Like going into this offseason, if there were no contract, no uh, CBA issues, there would have been more spending. The issue isn't with the CBA, it's with the Texas Rangers. The Texas Rangers screwed over this offseason royally by, based on the market standard, overpaying both Corey Seager and Marcus Simeon. Like and they're not John Gray. John Gray got John overpaid. Gray. They're not like horrendous contracts, but they are vastly like those not those shouldn't have been what set the market. And every other team knew that. And so all of a sudden if you're gonna you can't just join them. Like no no team is gonna join them. That makes no business sense to just say, oh well the market's set already. Too bad guess this is the way it is. No, they all fought and they worked and they whittled this down to the point where we are at now, where there's less spending, but it had to go to a drastic extreme because Texas went to the other one. That's a great point. I mean, I didn't even think about it that way, but now like it does make sense. You know, like why would they go so crazy pre pre lockout? Like let's just throw as much money because guess what? They're like we don't care if we ever play baseball ever again at this point. We got the our our fans are going to want to see these players so bad once we do come back that we're going to make it back. So that's a it's a really good way to to look at that. I'm not sure if they did I would be very interested to see because if I'm, if I'm them and I want to like absolutely like screw people over and just get the maximum dollar amount I can out of this, I sign Simeon, I sign Seager to whatever number they want. And then I get t-shirts out the next day. So you get a whole bunch of t-shirt sales right before the lockout. Then all of a sudden the lockout could last 10 years. These guys never play for you. You don't owe them a dime, and yet you got all the t-shirt sales. It was a win-win for them. I mean, smart on them to do it, but I kind of wish that, you know, these other free agents signed prior to the lockout. I feel like it would have been a lot less. It would have been much more boring during the lockout because there wouldn't have been anything to speculate on. 
but also now that that it's over it's like well like this free agent period like it was not as crazy as like we thought like i think we yeah can... exactly and it's not as crazy as the a lot of the executives thought too because again so many teams were trying to, to lower this market um like I, I every report i saw from a million different sources so presumably they had the, that group had to have had at least five different mlb executives out of the 30 writers. I'm sure that some of them had the same person telling them that, but there had to be at least five people that thought we were going to get winter meetings times a thousand when the market opened up at the end of uh, that night when the CBA was agreed to. Everyone thought that, that was what was going to happen and everyone was going to come off the board like gangbusters. And it just didn't happen. It just didn't matriculate. I'd blame Texas. But everything's well, bigger in Texas, so we should should have been expected. Of course, everything is bigger in Texas. All right, let's talk about the two moves that the Philadelphia Phillies made. They snatched up two of the best pure hitters on the market. They've got both Kyle Schwarber uh, in, in, on a four-year, $79 million contract and Nick Castellanos on a five-year, $100 million contract. LJ, just speaking from an offensive standpoint, because we're going to get to the defense in a minute, just speaking from an offensive standpoint, the Phillies lineup is so scary. Oh, it's terrific. And again, we were already talking about, yeah, we already talked Schwarber last time. Or no, we didn't. No, we didn't. When was it that I was talking to you about Gene Segura and Kyle Schwarber? I think we were talking about the Phillies a little bit on the last episode um, because they got a, bu- a bunch of people in the bullpen, and then we were then we started talking about the lineup. But no, now, no, no, no. Maybe it was on Twitter because oh, I know for fact Twitter, yeah. we had an argument or a debate about whether you went Schwarber Segura or Segura Schwarber. Either way, if you get Schwarber, Segura, Harper, Castellanos is your front four. And then Real Muto behind that. Yeah. That's awesome. It's... That's just awesome. Again, the biggest issue I would have now, my biggest red flag with the Phillies, is still the pitching, of course, because I don't think it's gotten worlds better. Um, of course, you, are, you, have, you have good good players in here. Ranger Suarez had one of the best back ends of the year of anyone. Zach Wheeler was an MVP candidate with his uh, play this last year. was fantastic. But are you going to see another terrible year as Aaron Nola, you know, likes to be one of the spottiest pitchers year by year in the league? Um, Are you going to get the same out of Kyle Gibson? I'm not sure. And then you look at the uh, bullpen. I trust the bullpen less than I trust anything else on this team just because you're trying to fix it by throwing a million different new guys into it that all often doesn't work and especially knowing that Dave Dombrowski is running this ship the CEO of screwing up bullpen moves hi I'm Maria and I'm Mike and we're team Team ready Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is so they want you to be ready It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. 
Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I would have my questions about this pitching staff still. I'm not ready to call them the favorite, but they are definitely a playoff contender with this lineup. LJ, um, I'm not even concerned as much about the pitching as I am the defense. Um, That's okay. They signed two of the most defensive incompetent players in the league. Okay. And I believe heading into the season, they were the only team that didn't have a single player with um, a projected positive outs above average everyone had either zero or negative outs above average and now they add Schwarber and Castellanos um and so much of pitching is your defense and how well they play for you I think that there could that it could be a little bit scary there um not a lot of people are talking about it but LJ I just tagged you in two tweets from the Yankee spring training game today against the Phillies two awful errors that got made and I know it's spring training and I know that these things happen but I feel like that it's just something to come I mean this is something that you're gonna be uh I think people are gonna be talking about in the middle of the season just how bad this Phillies defense is also Jason Stark for The Athletic just wrote an article and he said I believe the title of it is can a team as incompetent on a defense as the Phillies actually contend and he goes through all the advanced stats in it and is talking about like have we ever seen a team this bad on paper heading into a season on defense it's really interesting i suggest you go check it out if you haven't oh absolutely i I will check that out yeah it's a good it's a good question actually that was the first thing i said to or said on twitter when this deal went through the phillies saw that they got the dh they get the universal dh what's the first thing they think Let's go get two of them. Like it from a fit standpoint, this is far from perfect for either side because overall Nick Castellanos would look much, be much better looked at as a DH on a team as a full-time DH and the Phillies would be better if he wasn't in the field. But at the same time, they saw the offers. Castellanos probably saw he could be a contender here. Maybe they were willing to give him the most money. I, I can't see how anyone's necessarily uh, – what was his contract number again? Castellanos got five for 100 mil, five years. Yeah, I can't see how other teams weren't willing to give him $20 million. Like, there's so many teams in need of a DH at this point or should think that they're in need for a DH because, I'm sorry, the majority of these – the majority of these National League teams, whether they want to contend or not, the person that they're planning to put in that designated hitter role is not going to give Nick Castellanos production. Might not even give starting level production, whoever you end up adding to your lineup by putting the DH in. So I just, he, everything about Nick Castellanos should have screamed, I'm going to get 20 million and I'm going to be a full-time DH on one of these other 14 teams that doesn't have a DH. But I mean, good for him. If he got the most money, he got where he's happy. That's great. But it's just, it's a far from perfect fit. Well, it's certainly going to be fun to watch that lineup hit. But 
let's talk about some of the guys that are injured to start the season. One guy that we just didn't have time to talk about because we've had so much to cover the last few episodes is Fernando Tatis Jr. of the San Diego Padres. LJ, do you know much about this whole saga and a few of the interviews that he gave regarding this this uh, topic? Um, I'm relatively familiar, but I, you can go ahead and tell. So, Fernando Tatis Jr., back in, I think it was either like late November, early December, um, he got into a motorcycle accident. and That's okay. That's okay, yeah, you know. And... His hand, LJ, it started to hurt after the motorcycle accident a little bit. But he was fine. He didn't tell anybody. Then he went to go start training, and he went to swing a bat, and his hand really hurt, LJ. So he said, I'm going to go get it checked out by the doctor. And they told him, oh, um, you need to get surgery on your hand. Then a reporter asked him, and they said, was this a result? Of the motorcycle accident that you had? This is my favorite one right here. And he said, which one? So he's been in multiple, multiple motorcycle accidents. LJ, do we really need to get MLB players babysitters? I mean, what, what is going on here? He's going to miss the first three months of the season because he has to get surgery. Just not a good look for him or or the Padres, really, uh, at all. Well, two things. First off, this is partially on the Padres. Because I know this is a thing, or at least in other leagues it is, but I'm pretty sure it's in MLB as well. In terms of restrictions to what you can do during your offseason in free time. There should be no scenario where... Fernando Tatis, the guy you've invested how much money in over the next couple of years, should be riding a motorcycle? $340 million, yeah. How? How do you let that happen? Like, you have to keep in charge of your asset as much as it is his life to live. Like, you should probably be saying, there's no way they didn't know he had a motorcycle. Somebody in that building, 100% knew, because motorcycle people don't hide the fact that they have a motorcycle. But Fernando Tatis, how childish. First off, learn to drive your motorcycle. If you've had multiple accidents, you're doing something very wrong. Very, very wrong. But also, why are you trying to hide or avoiding the fact that you have an injury? Like, or that something hurt? Like, that's something that, like, I did in high school when I was like, oh... I've got a really bad toothache. Oh, it'll go away in a little while. And the next thing you know, a week goes by and it hasn't gone better. So I finally talked to my parents and end up finding out that something's actually wrong. And I could have saved myself a lot days before. Like, it's just very frustrating to see an adult act this way. An adult who's making so much and means so much to the league. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's his life to live. He made the choices, and he lives with them. All right. Well, uh, the next person we want to talk about is belly button ring extraordinaire Chris Sale. Uh, this is not an effect of his belly button ring, um, but 
Instead, I believe Chris Sale has a broken rib and will not be able to pitch on opening day against the Yankees. LJ, do you have more insight? No, I don't have much more insight. I kind of admittedly stopped following this story as soon as it happened because it's not much of a story to me anymore. Like, this has been his MO his entire career. This has been his MO his entire tenure in Boston. The dude's going to get hurt. He's going to get hurt often. I've learned to live with it at this point. Um, the one thing I would, would like to know, the more I'm thinking about it now, how exactly he broke his rib. I mean, Brandon, just checking, you don't break your rib very often, do you? Stress fracture in the rib cage. Yeah, I can't say that that one happens so often. Why? My Is this not the first time? Let me pull him real quick. How often do you break your rib? What? LJ, yeah, is this the first time, or is this not the first time that he's he's broken a rib? No, but like, what do you what did he do to break his rib? Is a very valid question. Like, did, if you got hit by a ball in like the first day of spring training, that's bad luck. But what could he have possibly done? He was motorcycling, wasn't he? Just watch. Um, Just watch. Well, um, LJ, let's talk baseball though obviously a big blow to your rotation you guys did pick up rich hill michael walker um you still have tanner hauk nick pavetta but this makes avaldi the ace again right again that worked plenty in our favor last year um again this is a guy did he receive cy young votes he definitely was named all-star I think had, he got he had to he had to have gotten he had an obscene amount of uh war yeah at least fourth compared to what i expected young. Fourth and Cy Young, fifteenth and MVP. Yeah. So again, this guy had a great year, and I feel comfortable with him being in that position. Realistically, for now, he was kind of already the ace in my head. Whether he was given that title and given the opening day start is irrelevant to me. I look at the guy who's a consistent performer, and I see Nathan Eovaldi, and it's. Um, where was I going? I got real. Um, I look at the consistent performer in Nathan Ivaldi, and then I look at Chris Sale, who we didn't see fully healthy at all last year, and we didn't know whether he was going to be ace Chris Sale or he was going to be a two or a three. He's. I don't think Chris Sale ever falls to back end of the rotation level stuff in his career, but he definitely could be the two on this team depending on how he comes back from uh, the Tommy John fully and everything. Last year, he played like the two on this team. So overall, I don't think it hurts their mentality that much. They have the depth to make up for it while he's gone. Because realistically, I don't, I don't see a reason that um, Tanner Houck wasn't already in this rotation. Like, Reasonably, he did nothing in my eyes to play himself out of it. Again, 4-3-3 through 136 innings. They make a big deal about the amount of pitches and that he can only go two times through the order. But so many guys are only going two times through the order nowadays that that shouldn't be a hindrance to his ability to be in the rotation. You know, So I don't have much of an issue with the depth that they have right now. Overall, it'll be good. And maybe he'll be able to keep himself in the rotation by actually getting in there Sale comes back and you're like, okay, yes, we got to take Hill or Waka out of this because 
he's playing so well. Hopefully this is a uh, good opportunity for that. Well, let's get on to our last pair of injuries that we want to touch on. Uh, and the Cardinals will be without two pitchers to start the year. Jack Flaherty, uh, their presumed ace. Uh, I know they have Adam Wayne right back, but Flaherty's still their go-to guy. Uh, Flaherty got a PRP injection in his uh, shoulder, uh, and it wasn't due. So he did have a torn labrum in the offseason, but he says that the injection was not for that, but it was for something else that he had, had going on in his in the same shoulder. So his shoulder's all screwed up. Uh, they said he's fine now. I guess this injection is gonna is gonna help, and he has to at least wait like two weeks until he can start pitching again. And then Alex Reyes, if you remember, um, started off great last season. I believe set the record for most saves without blowing a save to start a career. As then he blows the save in the wild card game. Um, regardless, more than just blew the save in the wild card game, he blew his spot in the on the team at the end of the season. Well, he received a stem cell injection in his own uh, ailing shoulder. I guess you could call it. Uh, he'll be shut down from throwing for two weeks, also. And they said uh, they don't expect him to be ready for MLB action until late May, early June. Um, I mean, look, he was their primary closer last year, but just towards the end of the year, it, it was not good. And you would have to assume that a guy like Giovanni Gallegos or um, what's his name, Genesis Cabrera, one of those guys are going to be up uh, in the high leverage spots. No, Giovanni Gallegos will 100% be the closer. And realistically, for the majority of their hot run at the end of the year, he was. Like, uh, I don't have the splits to tell you, but... Alex Reyes is the back half of that year was just plain out bad. Like that didn't go well, the back half of last season for Alex Reyes. So this is another scenario of, are they really missing anything? Because they're just going to be able to operate like they did at the end of, end of last season until he's back. And then he's going to come back. He'll hopefully be the player that they saw to begin last season. And things will be fine. Like, I, I don't see a real blow here by not having him to start the year. And as for Flaherty? Um... As for Flaherty, again, that's a different story, but it's a short, a short run time. And you look at the rest of this team, and this is a very good group that you've got around him as well. I mean, um, Dakota Hudson, you could see – do some pretty good stuff here uh, coming in to this rotation now. How about Stephen Matz? Stephen Matz, Miles Michaelis, and Adam Wainwright is still like the man. We yeah. talked about him at points for Cy Young last year. So yeah, no, he's the man for sure. There isn't, there isn't, it's not like there's a lack, a blatant lack of depth. Honestly, I might say that this group is deeper than the Red Sox rotation is right now. And if I wasn't concerned with them, I'm not going to be concerned with the Cardinals. One spot I would like to bring up before we wrap up here that is a decent concern is Luis Urias. Oh, I did not uh, see this. What is up with Luis um, Urias? Let me find it again. I'm sorry. It just kind of popped in my head. 
Um, oh, he got taken out of the spring training game today or yes, yesterday, two days ago. Sorry. Again, they March haven't 9. put him on. They haven't put him on the IL yet, but there was something there to appoint people, other people worrying. Brandon, there is a real lack of depth for the left side of the infield, or at least versatility for the middle infield is more the issue because losing Luis Arias isn't the biggest deal. You have guys like uh, Mike Brasso who should be able to play third and be able to play it at a decent level. But then you look at shortstop. Yes, you have one of the better shortstops in the league in Willie Adamas, top 10 for me guy. But if he needs a rest day, which he'll probably take less of at the beginning of the season now, or heaven forbid he gets hurt, I see no one on this roster now Now, if Luis Urias is hurt that could, could conceivably play shortstop. Like this is a serious problem for them, not just if he's out long-term, but more so this is a blatant hole that this team needs to fix up because you can't go into the middle of a season without your shortstop. Like I, that, as far as I'm concerned, that's the most important position to have somebody serviceable at. Well, in the Brewers last year, you, you know, we knew they had great outfield defense, great, great pitching, even great infield defense. You got Colton Wong there. He's one of the top guys at his spot uh, when it comes to fielding. But the Brewers, they just lacked offense. And, you know, Urias was really not a terrible hitter. I mean, Elge's looking at it from the defensive standpoint, which, of course, is huge. But LJ, this guy hit 23 homers last year, and now that's just out of the lineup. I mean, 345 on base percentage—that's that's above average. So it's a it's a big loss now. Now that I see this, I didn't know about this. LJ makes the great point with the fielding, um, and it just shows how important it is to have LJ. I'd say your center fielder, your shortstop, and your catcher are easily the three most important spots on the diamond and then next is either third base or second base yeah absolutely third base um yeah their next best shortstop um is the number five guy in their uh system he is projected to be in triple a this year but either way do we feel confident in a guy in a competitive division to come in and be able to be a serviceable shortstop if needed for this team. I mean, again, I feel comfortable with the third base guys, but is he truly ready to defend at the major league level? Uh, well, we'll certainly have to find out. LJ, do we I have... hope we don't have to find out, I should say. This is, again, yeah, very no. hypothetical, but definitely a hole. Um, all right. Did we want to do a two-minute warning? I have one in mind just off the Ooh, top. Let's do a two-minute warning. Two-minute warning. I will set it up on my phone. Um, all right, we're going to do like a very basic original one that a lot of people do. LJ, two minutes is on the clock. We've got the island prompt. You can bring three things to an island. What are you bringing? Boat. Um, ooh, that's a good point. Um... You see, I think my big thing is give me something comfortable 
a good tent a good tent is a big thing because like then you're not worrying about um you know um bugs animals anything like you've got a reliable shelter smart smart okay um some form of water filtration is another thing that i worry about a lot and then I want to jokingly say base a baseball, just because I feel like I could do a decent amount of damage hunting with it. But um, oh, this is tough. I don't know. Yeah, let's go with that for now. Baseball, I love it. Hey, I love it. All right. I was also gonna say tent. I mean, I just feel like tent is is crucial unless you want to spend the time and learn how to build something yourself. Which I just, would just wouldn't. Yeah, go ahead. It's just too much time. I mean, you just don't have enough time on your hands to be able to hunt and build something for yourself you know if you only have three things you can bring with you we're going tent um you know i'm gonna go with a a little food like i can hunt like so i would say food because like water yes you do need a water filtration system but if you can dig into the ground you can hit the natural water right i think i don't know um so we'll do that water food and uh you know i feel like a bow and arrow would be cool that I, I think that would be my choice for, for hunting, is a bow and arrow. We have eight seconds. LJ, anything else? Yeah, again, my tent point, I don't trust myself to build a good enough shelter. doesn't matter time, how much time it is. Is mine going to be as high a quality as the tent would be? Probably not. Well, look at that. Right at the buzzer. It's going to do it for the show today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back Wednesday to talk more about hopefully we can actually talk about some spring training games Wednesday um some stuff that's actually been going on real baseball um until then though I am Brandon he's LJ we'll see ya see ya